Just because you had a tough life before today doesn't mean you have to continue on in the same story, playing the same character. Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. What's up, everybody? I wanted to hijack this week's podcast uh, because I was really inspired by Rose's podcast last week about truth, and uh, I wanted to uh, just share with everybody, uh, you know, what truth means to me and uh, how it has affected my life. And, you know, it's pretty much the foundation of uh, why uh, I created Skeeter's Strength. Um, it is, uh, it's something that uh, most people have a hard time with. Um, but you know, my, uh, my old mentor, Justin Garcia, a.k.a. Master Chim, used to say the truth rarely, if ever, uh, works out in our favor. Um, and that's really in how it is that you accept truth uh, when you are ready for it. It can really set you free and it can really uh, set you on a a new path in life. And so I wanted to share my own personal uh, story uh, with you guys, uh, just because, you know, I am pretty much behind the scenes on, on most of the stuff here uh, with the podcast and, uh, and the business. Uh, but I do want to create um, some content and I am going to be starting my own podcast called the Skeeter Strength Podcast and, um, you know, just building off of the things that I've gone through personally and uh, ways that I've been able to deal with trauma um, and just how, you know, it's been such a gift for me uh, to be able to share uh, with others and, uh, so, yeah, this is uh, my own personal story, and I want to be, you know, I've, I've read some of the reviews, and a lot of the reviews about me are, are pretty much that I can be, you know, kind of stoic, unrelatable, uh, like uh, not, like I didn't really have anything, you know, bad going on in my life, and, you know, maybe I just don't really know what I'm talking about or anything like that. And that's great feedback, you know, like to me, that means I'm doing something right uh, because I have had trauma and it may not be as traumatic as what you've experienced. Uh, but, you know, trauma is, is trauma and it's really in how you deal with it and uh, and what you do with going forward uh, that matters. So if I do come off as, you know, just happy go lucky and, and um, you know, sort of unrelatable, uh, I actually take that as a compliment. So, you know, I, I think, I think uh, those out there that uh, do look at me like that because that's good feedback. And, um, 
But, you know, at the same time, I do want to be humble and I do want to share that, you know, I, I have been through some things. And, um, you know, to me, I just I look at the things that I've gone through and I, I look at them more as a gift because, you know, truth was revealed to me. And, you know, it, it hit me upside my head and I was just floored with gratitude by it. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, I wanted to, to share that with you guys. So my story is, is uh, I was uh, born August 26, 1977. It was my birthday last week. Uh, so on my birthday, I usually have uh, uh, some time to reflect about my life, things that I've accomplished and things that, you know, goals that I want to set in the future and things that I want to uh, keep working on, you know, my mission. And uh, so 45 years old, I was born in 1977, um, otherwise uh, a healthy uh, baby boy, uh, but I was born with some hormonal imbalance um, resulting in underdeveloped reproductive organs. And so this was very alarming to the doctors um, in which they shared their fear uh, with my parents and uh, sort of pushed my parents into making some pretty quick decisions about me uh, that would, you know, really change the course of my life. Um, there was uh, an ideology, uh, and I think it is kind of still going on today, uh, by a Dr. John Money out of Johns Hopkins University, um, who believed that uh, with uh, boys and girls, it, it, it was easier on boys, but um, if you perform gender reassignment surgeries on them young enough, uh, you can get them to be, you know, any gender that, that you want them to be, uh, as long as you raise them, you know, according to those, you know, that, that gender. Um, so, my all my doctors and I had a lot of them uh, convinced my parents that it would be in my best interest if they performed a gender reassignment surgery um, right after uh, I was born. So uh, my parents agreed. Uh, they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into. Um, you know, I, I have a very close relationship with them. And we do talk about it and, you know, they are, they just felt like they didn't know what to do because this was outside of their scope. Um, and they just would follow the doctors because, you know, they're medical professionals and they should have had my best interest in mind. Um, but regardless, they went forward with the gender reassignment surgery uh, and that was performed on me. And, you know, I, I always knew that there was something uh, just different about me. Um, never uh, felt female or even comfortable uh, when people would tell me that I was a, a female. You know, I was a tree climber, gun player, um, army men, G.I. Joe, you know, like just all about that uh, barn dweller. You know, I used to be outside all the time and, 
you know, I, I actually uh, listened to a, a tape recording of myself when I was uh, three years old saying that, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to drive a motorcycle and I'm going to have a long beard just like my dad. And, um, you know, my parents would, uh, would tell me that I just would cry and scream, you know, whenever they try to put girls clothing on me and I would yell out, I want to wear man's. You know, which man's <laughs> was a word that I made up that just meant jeans um, because my dad wore jeans all the time. So I wanted to wear jeans. Um, the, you know, the older I got, uh, the more awkward I became uh, because of being socially raised as female. And, you know, school, you know, when I got into school, it was like that started to become challenging uh, because I started getting in trouble. Uh, for being too boyish, um, I would be put in the corner. I would have to be suspended, um, kept after class, uh, things like that. And just simply because I was not uh, acting appropriately, you know, like a girl. Um, I distinctly remember my third grade teacher telling me that. And uh, it really stuck to me. You know, that's something I remember even to this day, you know, that that really stuck to me like, wow, OK, like this is starting to get real. Um, so, you know, like outside of school, I did nothing but play sports. And like I said before, just very active uh, basketball uh, sort of became my escape uh, from reality uh, because basketball, you know, the game of basketball does require a lot of focus and it, it gave me a way to at least identify and, and associate with other children because, you know, I always felt like an alien among them. So, you know, my early childhood was, that was, that was okay. You know, I, I did have to go back and forth uh, to the hospital uh, quite a bit. Um, I had a lot of surgeries, scars all over my body, um, just procedures. And, you know, I remember just being so anxious uh, every time it was time for me to go to the hospital and get, you know, a checkup and uh, just really made me uh, quite sick to my stomach. Um, but, you know, I had to be brave. Um, I had to just, you know, kind of hold things in uh, because I, I didn't want to upset you know, my parents, I knew that it was difficult for them enough to have to drive me all the way to the hospital, which was about three hours away. Um, I'm from northern Indiana, so I used to have to go to Riley Hospital for children down in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, it was painful. You know, there was a, a, a procedure called the sister urethrogram, which was like, that was like the procedure that would you know, have me up at nighttime, you know, that was very painful. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, the going to the, the hospital was probably the, like the worst part of my early childhood. Uh, then at around like 12 years old, things started getting really dark. That was when they, uh, forced me to start taking female hormones, which was, uh, estrogen and progesterone. And, you know, when I say dark, I mean, my emotions became uncontrollable. 
And I just, I really started to feel um, like psychologically unstable, you know, because my younger childhood, like early childhood, um, you know, I just felt like, you know, I was different, but, you know, I could be wild, you know, I didn't really have to fit into this female persona. Um, I could just kind of pretend like it was just like a game to me. I could just pretend to be that. Whereas now, like at the age of 12, like I was trapped in this character. You know, I wasn't going anywhere because there was like once those hormones hit and it just started driving me nuts. And I was like, okay, this is like, I need to buckle up for this because this is going to be, this is going to be tough. Um, I remember asking my parents, you know, all throughout my life, throughout my childhood, um, you know, what was wrong with me? You know, why did I, I, why did I feel the way that I felt? Like, I felt like I didn't fit in with anybody, you know, like you get to a certain age and, you know, like the boys don't want to play with you anymore. Like it's, it's cool when you're younger childhood and, you know, you're playing sports and, um, you know, like you can make friends and, you know, I didn't really have any interest in having, you know, girls as friends. Um, but the boys, you know, they, they didn't want to play with me anymore. And I, I get it. Um, but I also just didn't really fit in with, you know, the girls, um, either, you know, and that was just not a, a type of crowd that I felt comfortable in. So I just, I wanted to know like, what is wrong with me? You know, there's gotta be something wrong with me uh, with all these surgeries that I have to go through and, and all these hospital visits. And I just feel like I'm crazy. You know, now I have to take these hormones and I just, I don't know what's going on with me. Um, and they were scripted, you know, uh, they uh, had a uniform uh, response. Um, throughout my whole family, um, all the way up to my grandma. And, you know, their response would always be pretty much like the same. It made no sense. But, you know, I understand why they said it. Uh, they would always say that, you know, you were born female just without any female parts. Well, when you're young, it's like, okay, you know, like, doesn't make sense, but it makes enough sense for me to, you know, carry on. Um but as I got older, you know, I wanted to push a little bit further. Like, well, what does that mean? Like, how, how does that make me a female then? And, uh, but I just, you know, I saw that outside of that scripted answer was a thick, impenetrable wall that I was not going to get past. You know, and I, I was a Christian. You know, I was raised to believe in God. I was raised to be obedient to my parents, uh, to trust in God. Um, that, you know, he is always working and, you know, that if my parents said that scripted answer, then that's what it was. And so leave it alone, you know, and, and I would lean on my, my relationship with God. I would, you know, stay up for hours at nighttime, you know, praying and praying and just begging him, please tell me what's wrong with me. Uh, you know, like if I, if this is me being punished, if I'm being, you know, disciplined, then I'll, I'll be better and I'll, I'll be nicer and I'll behave more and, you know, I'll submit. And, you know, it was a really uh, just disturbing, um, you know, now that I look at it, it's like, wow, that's, that's pretty disturbing. 
um, yeah, I was like trapped in this this reality um, that was just not mine. Uh, so, you know, the hormones, you know, they brought me to a point where I knew that I needed to stop taking them. And that's exactly what I did. I started throwing them away. I would lie about taking them consistently because uh, I just knew that I had to rebel because uh, this the hormones were really driving me uh, insane. Um, but, you know, I, I continue to play with basketball and, you know, just like anything you spend a lot of time at. And I spent all my time playing basketball. I mean, I was the kid that, you know, after a high school game, I would go to the park and I would play some more. And then, you know, when the lights got shut down, I'd go to my backyard and I'd play some more, you know, because basketball was it was the only time I had friends uh, because, you know, I was good enough to play with all the guys down at the park. And uh, so I knew that the better I got, the more chances that I would make some friends. And so that was great. So I played and I, man, I slept with my basketball. I would dribble it to school, home from school. I'd keep it in my locker. Um, there was a show, a movie called, uh, I think it was called like The Pistol and about Pistol Pete Maravich. And I watched that movie and I, that was me. You know, like I was that kid. I just wanted to play basketball. I lived and breathed for the game. So you do that long enough and, you know, you're you're going to get pretty good at it. So, you know, I played throughout high school and, you know, got high school accolades and and whatnot. And then I got a a full scholarship to Villanova University and, you know, moved out to the Philadelphia area. And but, you know, again, like I felt like an alien uh, because basketball is the only thing that made any sense to me. It was the only identity that I felt comfortable with. Uh, so now, you know, I'm playing on a women's team and, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was challenging. I knew that I played the game of basketball for different reasons than everyone else. And, um, you know, it, it did show in the way that I played, you know, I played with, with, with vigor. Um, but you know, like, I also, at the same time, got really good at acting. Um, I got really good at acting the way people would expect me to act and uh, would act in ways that people would feel comfortable me acting. And I got really good at hiding the fact that I was not like them, any of them. So I played uh, four years at Villanova and then... uh, you know, when it was time for graduation, I knew that there was only one option of employment for me, and that was professional basketball. You know, again, there was that was the only time I ever felt right in the head. You know, outside of that, I was just not I, I didn't fit in anywhere. Um, so basketball really incentivized, uh, you know, me expressing all of my my masculine qualities um, I didn't have to pretend to be female. I, I much preferred the label basketball player. So that's, that's what I was. And that's the only label that I felt comfortable with. So I played basketball professionally overseas. And, uh, you know, after about six years, I was kind of back and forth. Um, cause again, I just, 
I didn't know what was wrong with me. So I would play and then I'd stop playing and then I'd play and then I'd stop playing. And I just, I was looking for my identity because I, I knew it was somewhere, but I just kept looking for it in different places. I'd live in Philly, Miami, you know, Delaware, um, Chicago. I moved out to the West Coast for a couple of months. Like I was everywhere, just desperately trying to find my identity. And so I knew that after playing about six years overseas that the game and me, my identity as a basketball player just was not going to work anymore. It was not having its same effect on me and that I, I wanted to do something else. You know, I had uh, became a personal trainer because, you know, movement was something that I knew would save my life. Uh, and it did. Uh, so, you know, me being a basketball player outside of basketball, I would play all other sports, football and baseball and, you know, anything that I could do to be rough and, and aggressive. Um, I just knew that movement was the was another one of those uh common denominators for for my identity and what you know really resonated with me personally so I became a personal trainer and um, really like that I, I still am a personal trainer and you know I uh, I just love moving and I love you know helping others uh, with their fitness and because I know what it does for them as well um, but you know, without basketball, it was just this female identity that I did not connect with at all. And so I was just depressed. It got to a point where I didn't want to leave my apartment anymore. And uh, so a client of mine uh, who was you know, kind, of, kind of like a godmother to me, um, you know, and I shared with her, you know, the secret of my my chaos, you know, with like all the surgeries and just how I just feel kind of just disconnected with with everyone. Uh, she suggested that I look into my medical records since I had mentioned the fact that, you know, I had just gone through so much and it didn't make any sense. And, uh, you know, when when she said that, I immediately thought of all those times that I asked my parents, you know, what was going on with me. And, you know, I'd gotten this vague answer and it was just like, wow, you know, like I'm old enough now towards like, yeah, those answers don't make any sense. So I need to find out what is going on. So it was my opportunity to get the answers, at least to the questions about my my surgeries and my operations, because I was thinking like, well, maybe there was something like neurologically wrong with me, you know, something wrong with my mind, because I just don't, I don't understand what's wrong with me. And four weeks later, you know, I get the package. It's like 300 pages of, of medical documents. And I opened up that package and the first page, man, it popped out and just smacked me right in my face. And I can still feel the excitement like right now, you know, it said that I was born male uh, with hormonal deficiencies and it would be decided to perform a reassignment surgery to make me quote end quote female. And man, I was exhilarated. I sat there all night long on my floor 
and just I read every piece of information about myself that night. And I thanked God over and over again. And I just, I remember kept saying like, oh, I knew it. I knew there was something wrong with me. I knew it. I knew that I didn't fit this. And I just kept thanking God over it and like, just thank you, God. Thank you so much for giving me this information. And, you know, like after it, it, I thought about it, it did start to sink in, you know, like all the horrific surgeries performed on me, the, the psych visits to install all this brainwashing, you know, all the lies that had to be told to me and just all of the awkwardness that was just completely unnecessary, um, all of the painful procedures that I had to endure, um, you know, and, and, and most of all, all of the lost time that I, I had, you know, had to play in this character, in this sick, twisted story, you know, like, I definitely put some thought into that. But you know what, I quickly checked myself, you know, and, and I, the first I remember asking myself, like, who do you think you are? You know, like, do you actually think bad things can't happen to you? You, you know, do you think you're so special? that this shouldn't happen to you. You know, like there are so many other people out there with way worse stories than yours. So, and I told myself, do not waste another second on this mentality. This is a gift. And so, you know, like, and that was pretty much it. That was like the full extent of my you know, darkness after getting this truth. And I just, I couldn't help, but I couldn't stop smiling, you know? And I just kept saying like, I'm free, you know, I'm free. You know, like, I don't know who knows freedom like I do. I know freedom, you know? And this is something that I even think about even to this day, like I never have bad days, you know, because I finally know who I am. And I can make things right. And I can have my life the way that I'm supposed to have it. Not just, you know, the way that other people want me to have it. You know, so that night was just, man, it was amazing. So I called my dad. Um, I mean, talk about a tough conversation. I called my dad. And I said, Dad, you know, I got my medical records and I just want you to know that I know everything. Uh, I know that I, I'm not really a female. Uh, I know about every single surgery procedure that was performed on me. I know it all. And he just, it was just quiet on the other end of the phone. You know, I could just feel his heart sink. You know, he immediately just he started to apologize and he said he he always wanted to tell me but he was told not to and then it was uh it, he said he got to a point in which he felt like he just couldn't tell me because it's like you know like how do you tell somebody that after all these years and after all that you've witnessed them go through um and you know i have no idea how I would have handled it if it were my kid and it was back in 1977, you know, being pressured by a bunch of medical professionals um, and given this, you know, now it's, I can 
100% say that it is ideological research. Um, I don't know what I would have done um, back then because it wasn't my rep. Like he had to have burned that rep. And now I can look at the way he did and be like, yeah, well, these are the mistakes you made. Yeah, that's easy. You know, but I didn't have to make that decision for, you know, my child. So I have no idea what that was like. And I cannot even, you know, put a lot of weight into his mistakes because that's a tough one. You know, so I told him, Dad, you know what? I forgive you. And I did. And I, I forgave him like it never happened. You know, because that is the that's just the way that I roll. Um, I love my dad. Uh, I am proud to call, you know, myself, my dad's son. Um, and I know that he's proud, you know, call, to call me his father. And, uh, and that's what really matters. Um, I called my mom and, you know, same thing, got real quiet and she, you know, I could kind of hear her crying. And, um, you know, I told her that, you know what, I, again, I don't know what I would have done differently. And so I forgive you and, and I forgive you as if it never happened, you know, because the main thing is, is I got the truth, right? And I'm ready for this. You know, I am ready to, to start my next mission. And my next mission was to reclaim my birth gender and start my life. You know, I'd gone 34 years, nine months and 15 days living the way man had created me. Now it was time to live as God had created me. You know, and, and that's the reason why I started Skeeter's Strength. Because and it's not my strength. Like, I'm not, I'm not really like somebody that's exceptionally strong. Um, God gives me that strength. And he gave me the strength to free myself from the mental and physical traumas that I had experienced. And that's something that, you know, I want to be able to share with other people because there are, like I said before, there are way worse stories out there than mine, you know, and there are way uh, better outcomes of those stories than mine, you know, and I've listened to them. I've listened to people go through just absolutely uh, terrible things in their childhood but to watch them turn their lives around and use all of those things that happened to them as like fuel to this fire of, of burning to succeed and burning to, to have a purpose. And that's me. That's what I'm all about, you know? So for people out there that, you know, they, they think that I'm pretty unrelatable or, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm not going to, that doesn't make me angry. You know, like you are absolutely spot on. I am unrelatable. You know, my story is pretty unique. I've, I've, I have heard of other stories um, similar to mine. Uh, one being that uh, uh, Bruce Reamer, um, who had a botched circumcision and, you know, he was raised female and, and he got, got his truth and you know unfortunately uh he had a harder time with that and um he ended up uh committing suicide um you know so 
there are other stories like mine out there, but you know, mine is a beautiful, happy ending, you know, cause I knew my mission was to become the strongest, um, most powerful man I could ever become, you know, that was my mission. So I had to go through a lot of other surgeries to reverse um, all that had been done to me. Um, I had to, you know, obviously take uh, male hormones, you know, testosterone, which I currently take today. Um, But, you know, I'm free and I am still on a mission. You know, my I wanted to become a husband. I wanted to become the best husband I could possibly imagine being, you know, so I would look up like, you know, what are some husbands that I would, I would love to be like them, you know, and, and, and I did that, you know, and I, I, same thing with being a father. I knew I wanted to be a father, you know, so I wanted to be the best father, the most supportive father that I could possibly be loving and, and, and guiding and, and discipline. And, you know, I wanted to be, you know, a a great role model, um, for my kid. And, you know, God blessed me with that. You know, he blessed me with Rose and LJ and, you know, I am, I'm grateful. And I, I thank God every day for that. And I thank God every single day for the truth. Um, I know that, you know, the gifts that were given to me, you know, I passed them on to Rose and, you know, I, I did play a role in, in helping her with her trauma and, and helping her uh, with BPD. Uh, but it was her work that that did um, this podcast that that really, uh, you know, gave her purpose um, that that she started to recognize God's purpose for her to be able to help other people. And so. You know, that's that's a basic version of of my story. Uh, And like I said, I I am going to create a Skeeter Strength podcast. If you are interested in in, um, hearing it, uh, I will have Rose just give you guys a heads up on when it's going to be dropping and, and, uh, you know, sort of a a schedule and timeline on on how uh, frequent the episodes will be and, and whatnot. And. You know, I still will be making some appearances on on Rose's podcast because you know she's just doing such a great job, and I'm just I'm really proud of her. And um, you know, I just uh, I want to keep this uh, this fire burning, and uh, I want to keep helping those out there that are that have experienced trauma and that uh, are trying to find themselves. They are trying to, to become you know a new character in a new story. Uh, I can help with that, you know, and just as, as Rose has been helping with that, you know, I have, uh, I have a lot to offer in that field as well. So that's pretty much it for today. That's, that's my story. That's my contribution. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for uh, all the listeners out there. And I know that you guys have been, uh, loyal, uh, to Rose and, and, you know, like I'm sure there's people that, you know, sort of, they like some of the stuff that I say, and there are people out there that don't like what I have to say. And, you know, like that's, that's good for both. Um, I think that keeping your mind open and uh, understanding that 
man, I come from a place of humility. You know, I am not no guru. I am not some, you know, really smart person. Uh, I'm not. I do have a lot of life experience. And that's something that you cannot get out of a book, you know. So um, I will continue just being myself. I'm going to continue sharing what has helped me. I'm going to continue, you know, pushing out, you know, content that will will benefit someone. If not you, that's okay. Um, But maybe you know someone that might benefit from that content. Um, But again, I really appreciate, uh, you know, the the audience and uh, everything that you guys do for us. And, uh, you know, we, we want to continue uh, improving and making improvements to our business so that we can provide a better service. But on that note, I will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. That was From Borderline the Beautiful, a production of Skeeter's Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at skeetersstrength.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So, if you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful, hope and help for individuals with BPD. 